generation dwells here. And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them. And even if you don't, then you do, cause you cool with them. They be like, I only went to school with them. Let's get it. All right, we ready? Yeah. All right. Definitely. All right. <laughs> Three, two, one, let's go. Welcome to Color Correction, a Jesus-y podcast about race and faith from the perspective of an Asian guy, a black girl, and a white guy, too. My name is Andrew. I use he, him pronouns. I'm Asian. And I'm Bethany. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a black woman. And I'm Chris. I'm white. I use he, him pronouns. I Did you notice that I almost forgot the intro? <laughs> <laughs> you went through that really fast. Yeah, I yeah. almost did. I almost forgot how to do the intro. It's been that long since it we've done this. It has been a while. It's been a while. Not only has it been a while, but uh, we have, well, I guess we'll get into this. Mm-hmm. But we have been dragging our feet on recording this. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any case, that's part of what we want to talk about, but we'll get to that. Yeah. That we like to kick off our podcast by talking about things that we wish we had mentioned or want to add or correct from previous episodes. Mm-hmm. The previous episode was a mini episode. Mm-hmm. It was Beth's sermon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Beth's talk. D- d- you you didn't want us to call it a sermon. I'm okay with it being a, called a sermon because uh-huh. that feels like commonly understood language. Uh-huh. We love at Circle. We love to like make up a new phrase for something it's true yeah Yeah, we call them talks we do but they are sermons yeah right i like saying it's a sermon because i like the fact that you i i like i want to i want people to know that you were preaching yes thank you andrew i was preaching Uh uh-huh yeah (laughs) i think so um i think the only i don't necessarily have a correction from that sermon but I think I wanted to add the thought. Uh, I had a conversation with my mother about that sermon, and apparently her and my father listened to it. And my father was a bit concerned because it was very sad, um, <laughs> which I find really funny. Um, but it makes me think about how important it is to name all of our human experience, right? Mm -hmm. And to be human is to experience the greatest of joys and the lowest of lows Mm -hmm. and to recognize that God is with us in both ends of that Mm -hmm. spectrum. So it always feels really important to me to, yeah, name my sadness and offer that up to God. Um, Yeah, so I can be met by Jesus in it. Did you say that your mom was the one that told you that your dad thought it was sad? My mom's always the one that sends messages from, from the rest dad. of my family, <laughs> my dad and my sister. And if it wasn't sad, do you think your dad would have talked to you about it? Hell yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. My dad would have been like, I really liked your sermon. Uh-huh. And let me mention like a comic book or something. He would have been really focused on the comic book uh-huh. or movie reference. Interesting. Oh, that's right. That's what, what I we're... honestly think it is, is my dad is very avoidant of uh-huh. feelings. And the fact that I named how tough this year has been for our family mm-hmm. is uncomfortable and unlike us. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, because the fact that it was... You were talking about the year. Like, yeah. There's no way to talk about it without talking about the sadness and grief that this this right. Well, you and you had brought. specific and like what you have got what yeah. you have what you had gone through, what you are going through yeah. specifically with your right. mom's diagnosis and the pandemic and everything. Like, how could it not be sad? Right. Yeah. I think it's um. I think it's dishonest not mm. to name that sadness. I agree with that. Do you think your dad has an expectation that sermons have to be like? inspirational i think so yeah and i hate fucking inspirational motivational talk sermons Mm -hmm. like for the sake of inspiration yeah i 
I'll listen yeah. to Tony Robbins. I'm not coming here for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah, I yeah, want to yeah. talk about Jesus. And like right. Jesus was a human and had high highs and lows, lows. Mm-hmm. So I want to feel I want to feel that human connection. And I actually hate motivational speeches. Mm-hmm. Um and I do like I have motivational speeches in the program that I manage at work, but I don't call them motivational speeches. What do I call them? <laughs> I call them relational speeches, which mm. is a very circle of hope thing to do. The mm. way I just snarkily was like, we need to just call it a sermon. <laughs> and I'm calling motivational speeches, relational speeches. Right. Um, but, yeah, that's just not that's just not real to me. And it feels like it does myself a it feels like I'm doing myself a disservice yeah. to be dishonest about what I'm feeling in this moment. Sure. I agree with you. And I feel like my dad is probably the same way, mm-hmm. like in terms of how he approaches sermons in the pulpit. It's like it, he wants it to be about like victory. Mm, yeah. And, yeah. But the idea of being vulnerable or talking about it being a tough year somehow. I, yeah, I don't think he'd be into that either. That's like doesn't feel like it fits in the box of sermon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You look like you're about to say. No, I, I was like, I'm listening to this and I'm like, oh, yeah. Like even like even thinking about the subject matter today, I have been having this like kind of internal conflict. Like because like I want to do the same thing. Like, however, however we start out with like our 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 topic i want to end on a high like i feel very oh, much interesting. i feel yeah. very much in that same we school do do that. we do that yeah we have almost unconsciously we we want to we want to wrap up on like some kind of take home thing that people can go home and feel a little bit better about themselves yeah we totally episode. do we do, do that. yeah I mean, I mean maybe we should just lean into this the discomfort <laughs> at some point yeah although yeah. i feel like sometimes at the end of the episode i'll have listened to it and i'll be like the fuck were we talking about? <laughs> like, there's no conclusion here. Like, a part of me wants like a bow to put on top, and we don't right. always have one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, but that part of that kind of feeling is what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Because this is the we rescheduled recording this twice. Yeah. I think twice. Yeah. Yeah. And each time it was like we tried to do it on. We were like, should we do it in person? Let's just do it online. And then we tried to do it online, and we ran into mic problems. And then we were like, let's just reschedule for this date. And mm-hmm. then that happened twice. Yeah. And we're finally in the studio. And we were like, what we want to talk about is how we're not feeling it. Mm-hmm. How there's stuff that we keep putting off at, or stuff that we don't do. Yep. And then this became one of those things. <laughs> yeah. <did>. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know about you. I mean, I, I, I presume we all really love doing this. Like, or else why would we be? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not that. Yeah. I mean, and I guess that's this is probably an opportunity to talk about some of those feelings because I, at least for me, like this is not the only thing that I've been pushing off doing mm-hmm. or that I haven't felt like doing. Yeah. I putting things off or procrastinating or just not feeling like doing something has been my mood for, uh, I don't know, a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for instance, one of those things that I'm putting off is the fact that um, we agreed as a team that turn up is going to be in person and we have to start sending emails out. And I'm supposed to be the one who's like coordinating right, that. And right. I just keep and like I'm. We should push it back to December again. Do you think so? 
fuck but december is a hard time but here we are like pushing something back and talking about how we're <laughs> back this is like a conversation that we have to have yeah. yeah but like and i've been avoiding hitting you up about it too because I, I don't have time to jump in and I support mean, i and like the I, g's magazine wanted an article from us and oh, i was like totally i waited until i already i did send them to send it to them you did okay yeah, great but i waited till the last minute <laughs> yeah. yeah on the 30th yeah, I like <laughs> waited till the, la- the the I waited till the last possible second to like write it up because that's like that's how that's kind of how I've been operating. And I guess I don't know. Do you guys feel that? Yeah, absolutely. Um I have I, this time last year I felt this like surge of energy yes. around um changing careers and um moving into what I feel is really vocational. Um like work, like doing doing work with participatory defense, full time somehow, mm-hmm. and I, I really ran, um, with that for for months, and I don't know, I just like I hit a wall in in March, and that excitement started turning into into terror, just thinking about how um, how stuck I was feeling about it, mm-hmm. um, and I've and I've kind of been like, in that circle now for about five or six months, mm-hmm. um, like. Yeah, just like these long, like like a little a little like cold war mm-hmm. is is, a, is happening for me. Mm, that's a good way of describing it. It does feel like an internal cold war. Yeah, yeah. I think it's hard for me to find meaning in things sometimes mm-hmm. right now because it's just like, is this really? I don't know. The world feels so fragile mm-hmm. that it's hard for me to decide what is important sometimes. Yeah, that's a great yeah. point. And it makes me unmotivated to do anything. Yeah. No, that's a great point because I feel like in the past it was really easy for me to muster up urgency and I felt like everything was urgent and mm-hmm. I had to get to it. Um, but I, but for me, and I guess for a lot of people, there's been a lot of reexamination as to what's actually important mm-hmm. and what's worth our urgency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or what's worth us uh-huh. in general? Like, right. I feel like that's why there's this mass exodus with work. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people who have left their jobs without even having another job. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, our reevaluating of what is important to us mm-hmm. and what is meaningful in life. Yeah, I think it's leading a lot of people to just behave in completely different ways. Like, I feel like at the end of the day... <laughs> Working has always been a must. Like, mm-hmm. you got to work. You got to work to make money. Mm-hmm. Money doesn't grow on trees. What other phrases do we hear about money, right? Mm-hmm. Where, and honestly, these idioms kind of reinforce capitalism Absolutely. and like ingrains capitalism mm-hmm. in us at a very young age that we are only worth what we can produce. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, again, the fragility of the world, our awareness of how fragile humanity is because of this COVID-19 mm-hmm. um, crisis has made people really reconsider that. Yeah. You ever afraid people from work listen to the podcast? Um, I don't think anybody from my job listens to the podcast. All right. I don't think that's... That's the new works for Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true, but uh, if you did... You said Dairy Queen of all, Dairy places. Queen of all places. Well, they'll never right. find you there, I guess is what we're <laughs> Because thinking. there's like no Dairy Queen in Philly, I don't think. Nope. If you did work for Dairy Queen, though, I would be hitting you up for exactly. some, exactly. some of those blizzards. Um, <laughs> they have a pumpkin pie uh, blizzard right really? now. Of course I gotta, they do. I got to find a Dairy Queen. Wow. So that's in the mix too. It's it's these it's these ways where like we're artificially asked to like rejoin the program. 
and we've seen how unnecessary the fucking program is and yeah. everybody wants it's like um the matrix right mm-hmm. like what's what pill is it that you take where you end up in the, the actual pill. the red pill mm-hmm. takes you to the real world right it, it like no like you had a choice either the red pill or the blue pill. Mm. They gave us the red pill, and now they're like, just kidding, take the blue pill, go back <laughs> to back. work nine to five, mm. like, right. you know, all this different stuff. Like, no, we recognize that the world that has been created for us, the norm of capitalism and workforce that has been created for us, COVID-19 explicitly made it clear that this is not necessary. Mm-hmm. This, It's even, like, exhausting to have to get up and leave my house now. I work seven minutes away from my job. <laughs> but, like, having to get up and get dressed and, like, get myself going and out of the house, mm-hmm. that's unnecessary. I didn't have to do it for a year and a half. Yeah. So why are you trying to convince me that? it's necessary now what i've really been re-examining in my life is how is why so much of my so much of my personality is based on like productivity and urgency mm-hmm. even in terms of like how i relate to god uh even in terms of how i relate to god i don't know whether it's because of the, the evangelical thing or because i was like connected to reform folks in my early 20s but i've it's always been in the back of my mind um there's a very good there's a there's a very good occasionally frustrating podcast right now that Christianity Today is putting out called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill that looks oh, at Oh, did you tell us about that? I don't remember. I I, I might have. Somebody familiar. told me about it recently. Okay. But it examines why Mars Hill became a megachurch and Mark Driscoll and his toxic personality, but it also looks into like the history of megachurches and the like the the background for that. And one of the things that really hit me was when they talked about a particular sermon, influential sermon that John Piper preached, where he told people not to waste their lives. Um, yeah, it was like, don't wait, don't, the sermon was like, don't waste your life. And he turned that sermon into a book. What was the, what does wasting your life look like in accordance to him? Basically the idea that, um, he was the sermon is like he was reading Reader's Digest, and it, he came across a story of this retired couple that collected seashells, mm-hmm. and he was like, "That is a that is a tragedy. Like martyrdom is not a tragedy. Wait, like collecting seashells in your retirement is a tragedy, and it's it's and it's a waste of your life. Really, collecting yeah. seashells? How <laughs> yeah. peaceful is that? Um, yeah. What a judgment! But it is. It is a judgment. Yeah. But he, here's the thing: like, I completely internalized that way of thinking. Right. Like, I internalized that. Like, oh, like, I my whole thing is I have to. And I'm still disentangling this because even as I say this, I feel like, oh, this is like maybe there's some good in here. Mm. Like, my whole personality has been built around like. I can't waste my life. Like I've got this one life and I've got to pour all of it out for this, for Jesus and for God and for the things that I can do. Mm -hmm. And everything has to be in compliance. I have to live in the right place. I have to go to the right church. I have to help people. I have to, I have to use up all of my time. Mm -hmm. Like I can't have any idle time. Mm -hmm. I don't want to waste my life Mm -hmm. because at the end of the age, God is going to come to me and he's either going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. Or he's gonna say, "Where?" I never knew you, or, or he never knew you, or he's right. he's gonna say, "Like gonna I gave you all this like... stuff and you did nothing with it. You buried it in the ground, and now like I'm. Why didn't you at least put it in the bank and get and and, and get interest out of it? you know that mm-hmm. parable? Mm-hmm. So like I've lived my whole life <coughs> in terror that I'm going to be called into account by God, who is going to tell me that 
and and that I will somehow at the end of the age be found to have wasted my life. Yeah. And that urgency has like driven me for my entire life up to this point. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what I'm examining, and this is completely unprocessed, what I'm examining is, is that a good way to live? Is that a good way to live or is it just yeah. exhausting and or is it just exhausting and um, fearful? It definitely yeah. is fear centered. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if you could still be that productive, but not as fearful because of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The, here's like the urgency. I f- on some level, I feel like that urgency that may, powered in part by fear has been like a superpower for me because mm-hmm. I've been able to turn the energy that that urgency creates and use it to like do and be very productive right. and do a lot of things like this podcast. <laughs> but as I reexamine it, like people might have noticed that not not only have we it has been a while since we put out an episode, but in the episodes before this. Like the the schedule was getting weird and it was mm-hmm. like three weeks and there was a mini sode coming out at random times. Whereas before I would be like, every two weeks we need to record, we need to put it out you there, we need to edit. You used to be on it with us, yeah. yeah. But like part of it, part of this whole thing for me has been like, how much of that is driven by love and how much of that is driven by fear? Mm-hmm. And not only right. that, but like I've noticed that when it is driven by like fear and obligation and urgency, I end up like, resenting people i knew sure. you were going to use the word resentful yeah yeah yep. like chris yeah. to be completely honest like when we would record and you'd be like late or you'd be like <laughs> oh why are we recording i would Andrew be so would be pissed <laughs> i'd be like does because on one level i knew that like chris is just laid back he's easy going that's what amy would tell me but on another level i'd be like chris doesn't care about me <laughs> oh, that's interesting. chris doesn't that care about me way. and the podcast and he doesn't respect me and i'm like i I, this is not me rebuking. No, no, no. I, I and I'm, I'm not I love receiving. That you use the word rebuke. I'm, right. I'm not. Uh, I, I, but I feel that way in so many well parts of my life attack. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, 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 I totally understand that, that so impulse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just be like, yeah. I mean, like, I die on so many of those hills at work, like over stupid stuff, mm-hmm. over like a missing trash can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Zoloft has given me so much freedom from that okay. that I actually only do things now mm-hmm. that I want to do. Okay, because I end up resentful of people if I do things that I don't want to do, mm. and I, I I struggle with navigating between being like selfish or self centered and like using self preservation and actually caring for myself mm. with things like this. But I, I yeah, Zoloft def- definitely has changed my relationship to productivity because I think I also was very mm. fear based, um, <laughs> productive. Mm-hmm. I also, it's interesting. This is something that I've been examining. I always felt like I was ugly, so I had to be smart. Mm. And it's interesting to me that, like, when I date now, men are very surprised by how smart I am because I don't think they expect such a feminine, attractive, presenting woman to be smart. And I'm always like, no, I thought I I was or I felt like I was ugly for a long time. So I knew that I had to be smart. And I think that's my fear-based function that, like, okay, 
I'm not an attractive woman. I'm going to have to, I probably won't get married because I'm not attractive. So let me produce so I can take care of myself. Interesting. So wait, so you feel like that urgency comes out of, you need to, because you need to be smart because you're not attractive. As a woman, right? Like you don't have to worry Uh about whether or not you're attractive. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like men don't have to worry about being attractive and being taken care of. But like the messages that you get as a young girl, particularly in the early 2000s in the evangelical realm, Mm -hmm. is that like life is made by having a man select you and choose you as his wife. So in my head, because I had internalized the messages that I was ugly, I was like, well, ain't no brother choosing me. So let me figure this shit out on my own. And I've always been productive as a means of taking care of myself because I didn't think I would have access to a partner that could also care for me. Yeah. So that urgency definitely comes from this place of being afraid of being alone and Mm. also feeling like I'm the only one who could take care of me. Mm. And I think that shows up in my romantic relationships and it certainly shows up in my relationship with God. Like, Mm. I feel like I'm oftentimes like I've got this God, you know, Mm -hmm. because I need to prioritize taking care of myself. I'm the only person who can take care of myself. Mm hmm. That's quite different, but a little similar to what you I, I were think saying. It's, it's, I think it's definitely similar. And the similarity is that we're both talking about uh, ways that we're driven by urgency. because I, And I don't think urgency is by itself is, is bad because some things are worth being urgent about. I think I'm driven by fear. Mm-hmm. What I was naming is being driven by being fear driven by specifically fear. Mm-hmm. more yeah. so than urgency. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that fear creates urgency? No. Maybe it did. Okay. I I don't think so. I think I knew that, like, I have to finish high school. Yeah. I have to finish college. So I didn't have a timeline for getting stuff done quickly. Mm -hmm. But I definitely had this sense of fear that I'm the only person who's going to take care of myself. Mm. So let me best figure out how to do that. Yeah. I mean, in terms of producing this podcast, for instance, I... I the I had urgency and fear, and my fear was like, if we wait more than two weeks, people are going to be You're like, gonna forget about, they're going to forget about us. We need to be, we need yeah. to be refreshing that feed. Mm-hmm. We totally. need to have stuff. We need to be producing content so people remember that we exist. Yeah, and if we slack off, it looks unprofessional, and mm-hmm. it like people won't. What take, do people think of yeah, us? Yeah, exactly. So there is like fear there. There's urgency in the sense that I feel a need to be productive about it. Um. At least for me, I've been re-examining what's worth that kind of mental energy and attention and urgency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because I, I think some things are worth feeling deeply motivated and urgent and some things are worth worrying about, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I guess the, qu- the question that I've been wrestling with is, how can I tell what's worth worrying about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, right before this podcast, I talked about how I'm considering a move, mm-hmm. <laughs> potentially to Montgomery County. And we don't like that. Yeah. Nope. That's a boo from us. <laughs> and a part of me is also concerned. Mm-hmm. A part of me is concerned because I've built my whole life around this idea that like, I value an urban existence. Mm-hmm. It's better to be among other people, especially people that are different from you. It's better to live in places with higher density environmentally and morally and 
in terms of access and being with public transportation and being in places that uh, being being part of a tight knit community that I can help and can help me. Mm-hmm. And, and and a part of me is like, what does it mean for me as a person if I give up on if I give up on those the value on that value which I've held for most of my life? Mm-hmm. You know, what does it mean for because part of my commitment to living in the city for my whole life has been like because I felt like it was a more Jesusy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of that, as I, as I said, was like committing my life to things that were uh, in line with, with the way that I felt God was leading me or is leading me. A lot of that was or has been based around this kind of fear. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I I resonate with so much of this, like so much of my identity similarly. I mean, my my boo is is a completely about me and like what I think is best for everybody mm-hmm. because it's what I'm doing. Um Yeah. And it is um it's exhausting. Mhm. It's exhausting to like like cuz I like I'm just holding myself in judgment all mm-hmm. the time yeah for something for any number of sure things. and also what's exhausting for me is judging other people <laughs> mm-hmm. uh yeah because i have totally been in a position where i have um i have had friends move away or move out of the city and i think i resented and judged them for it mm-hmm. i was like you couldn't stick it out you weren't faithful <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. And that probably doesn't exist on a conscious level, Uh but you just like feel it in your chest. It's somewhere in there, yeah. 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 I think, and we kind of talked about this before Chris even got here, where we were talking about rules for things Mm -hmm. and how that can be used to shame people. I think God is always wanting us to live a life of liberation, Mm -hmm. right? And live um, free in him. So if your internal rule makes you feel shame Mm -hmm. and stifled then it's probably not from god you know what i mean so like and i also think our values and interests change over time Mm -hmm. and people tend to and i think i've actually like been intentionally working on freeing myself from this because i sometimes feel like damn if you look at my facebook or my instagram you probably see how like all over the place i am one day i'm baking another day i'm singing dolly parton Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I've kind of grown to like that about my personality. Yeah. Because, like, I experience things well in a moment. Mm-hmm. And then when that moment's over, I let myself free myself from yeah. that. So, like, maybe yeah. for you, as much as I don't want you to leave, but also maybe for you, like, your assignment was to be in Philly for this time. And, mm-hmm. like, this is a chance to be open to God moving you somewhere else. And he will use you in that new land as well. Yeah. You said rebuke. I'm talking about land. Uh-huh. <laughs> we are some churchy people. I know. Also, it's just Montgomery County. Right? It's not like a new land. Right? It's not moving to Canaan. <laughs> yeah. We're um, I, I, yeah, I hear that for sure. And not just that. Um, when uh, last week during the um, last week during the and the anti-racist steering 
thing. You you you, you Don't mentioned call it how... an anti-racist steering thing. What the anti-racist steering committee? Yes, okay. thank you. Anti-racist steering committee. You pointed out that um, <laughs> you 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 first of all you said that uh, white supremacy wants <laughs> us to be in binaries. <laughs> <laughs> so it wants us to be one thing or the other. Caucasian excellence. Uh, Thank you very much. Okay. Um, but, the, but your example of this was how, like, sometimes you'll post something wild on social media, but that doesn't mean you're not also, like, a serious and professional yeah. person. Like, you can contain multitudes. There, yeah. You can be more than one thing. Yeah. And I've been thinking about that a lot because I've been thinking about how much of my life has been driven by this rigidity. Mm-hmm. Like I have to be one thing, and that is like yes, that is you have to decide it at yes. eighteen when right. you go to college, uh-huh. and, and you... I just have to stick with the path. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So that um, I I I've been thinking about what you said about that a lot because it I'm trying to figure out how I can be more than how I can have that flexibility and be. And be confident in that flexibility and be like, God, I have the love of God despite despite my, despite my, the choices that I choose. Mm-hmm. Because God doesn't want me to do things for God. God wants myself. God wants me. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So what does it mean to be myself? Because God loves that person. Mm-hmm. As opposed to living my life as if... I, if God doesn't get what he wants out of me, he's going to throw me away. Right. As if he's like a CEO or something. Yeah. And yeah. I think about like, how am I going to relate to other people? Like I, that, now I'm like that, that, that kind of has me in like a different state of panic. Like you, I, I agree. And I'm like, Oh, I'd have to like free up other people in that equation too. like people. I'm just like hell bent on mm-hmm. resenting and being angry at, mm-hmm. like I'm going to have to change the way I treat them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to try to bring this back around to our original topic. Yeah. Because uh, we're not drifting too far because I think there's a connection here. We were talking about how do we decide what's important. Yeah. And how we decided it in the past. Right. Yeah, totally. Like the way I decided it in the past but past was like there's a thing that's right and you just got to stick with it and do it. And, mm-hmm. and if you... If you if it if it if it stresses you out and if it tires you out and if it exhausts you, you just got to push through it because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I have lived my life like that too. Uh-huh. Hmm. Like when I think of how much I would do in one day before the pandemic, mm-hmm. like I could easily like work all day, go to like participatory defense, mm-hmm. and then. Sure. I don't know. This is a bad example, but then like go to go to sell that night. Oh go my to sell gosh! Group. I was thinking about the same thing. Like some on some Monday nights, I would go straight from work yeah. to participatory defense. Then I would leave participatory defense, drive to Elkins Park, and go to Kendo, <laughs> and like work out for two hours, <laughs> and then go home and get home at like nine thirty. Oh man! Uh, I don't know how I used to do that. Yeah, it was insane. That's funny. And I, like, at the time, that was part of the reason me and um, my ex-partner broke up was Mm. he was really irritated at the fact that I was gone all the time. And he would be like, you don't want to spend time with me. And I did not want to spend time (laughs) with him when Uh I think about it. Yeah. But, yeah, that isn't very nice. That's like not Mm -hmm. being a great partner because I would do that, like, five days a week. Yeah. Like, I would not be home Uh until about 9 or 9.30 every single day. And, Mm -hmm. like... When he pointed that out to me, I felt like he was an asshole. Mm-hmm. And I felt like he wasn't productive enough. 
Like, oh well, God, maybe if yeah. you would get your ass out the house, you wouldn't be bitching about me not being in the house, you yeah. know? Like, not that only, resentfulness. I, I, I felt the exact same thing. Yeah, That because, must be an evangelical kid thing. I think it might be. I think our parents teach us early, because when I'm thinking of my childhood, I was at church every day. Mm-hmm. We had intercessory prayer on Monday. We had marriage ministry prayer on Tuesday. We had Bible study on Wednesday. We had choir practice on Thursday. And at least once a month, we would have all night prayer on Friday. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I would get a break on Saturday. Usually we didn't have anything for church on Saturday. And then regular church, regular church yeah. on Sunday. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So I don't know what it's like not to like have my life closely overlap with the church mm-hmm. and being super doing a lot of production for the church. Mm-hmm. Like my mom would even have us clean the church as kids. Okay. Sometimes on Mondays before intercessory prayer, yeah. we would go there and clean the church. So having to work yeah. every single day outside of school or a job or something that's very much so my mm-hmm. norm yeah for me too because literally my parents my dad was a pastor of a house church so mm-hmm. there was no distinction between our family life and our physical location and what the church was yeah um and i mean i i do think that the christian life does demand sacrifice sometimes mm-hmm. i'm not saying that that's out out of the equation but i am thinking about like what is it that was motivating me and what it what is it that motivates me now mm-hmm. and what's worth being motivated about mm-hmm. i also think our american capitalist context yeah. influences what we believe a sacrifice is sure you know like yeah. for us sacrificing means we have to be as productive as possible right. mm-hmm. and our partners just have to deal with this because right. we're working for god even right. if the idea of free time freaks us out and it's not even about like that's not a sacrifice right <laughs> mm-hmm. But maybe sacrificing actually means like it's really uncomfortable for us not to be productive. Mm-hmm. So maybe sacrificing is actually us meditating for an hour or something. Yeah, Can you right. imagine meditating mm-hmm. for an hour every day? I cannot. I would fucking go nuts. Uh huh. Yeah. And, I, and what you're saying about like the idea of productivity um, is so it, it's so hard to disentangle that mm-hmm. from uh, the 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 way that we live and the fact that productivity is assumed to be a good mm-hmm. um yeah. I mean, it's hard for me because so much of my identity is based around how productive i am able to do, uh, be mm-hmm. like i can meet a deadline or i can just do this thing yeah and that's absolutely. the reason that like Very a lot of people like me that. you know yeah. so but and if i don't have that or if i'm not driven by that urgency then what what do i have am i worth anything yeah yeah I think that's especially true for BIPOC people Mm -hmm. because, like, I always have to prove myself as a black woman. Like, the fact that I have on this blonde wig Mm -hmm. makes me speak so much more eloquently in person because I don't (laughs) want anybody to think I'm a hood bitch. Okay. So I walk in with this platinum Uh wig and I'm like, greetings, everybody. (laughs) You Uh know? But, like, yeah, I feel like a lot of what we're talking about is all of this um, performance, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, yeah, as a black woman, I always feel like I have to perform what is right and yes. what is going to be respected. Sure. And I wonder if for you as like the child of immigrants, mm-hmm. if you feel like, hey, I'm I, I'm in America, like I have to work as hard as possible. Yeah. It might not exist on a conscious level. That's but... definitely part of it. The idea of needing, needing to prove myself and yeah. need, need, always needing to measure up. Yeah. Yeah, because if I don't measure up, not only is my worth as... My worth is already in question. Mm-hmm. 
and then if I am not productive, uh, I I am, I'm like my worth is less than that. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which again is uh the motivator there is fear. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think about our current state? Has has like pushed us to to start thinking and reevaluating. Shit, I could die tomorrow if somebody just breathes on me too long. <laughs> you That's know, true, yeah. like that'll change the way you look at life. Mm-hmm. I also think as the more we're talking, I kind of actually don't feel like we're feeling malaise. Mm. I wonder if we're just getting wiser. Mm. Like they're actually, this actually feels like wisdom to slow down and reconsider what it means to be productive, what it mm-hmm. means to like work for God or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like maybe this isn't laziness. Maybe this is God giving us wisdom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, how do you think we can tell the difference between us being lazy and us being wiser about what we choose to do? I think we have to trust ourselves. Okay. And that's something that I've, I started, my therapist went from being a therapist to a coach. Mm-hmm. So her style is kind of different now. And I feel like even the way I'm talking is like kind of different because of it. Mm-hmm. But that's something that like after being in a really dark place in April, I had to really start teaching myself that I could give myself permission to trust myself mm-hmm. and to trust myself even if I made the quote unquote wrong decision yeah. that I have been in tough situations in the past and I can navigate out of that that mm-hmm. wrong decision. So I think discerning between laziness and needing rest or laziness and God's wisdom, I think is a matter of trusting ourselves and trusting that God speaks to us, mm-hmm. which is difficult. I think yeah. it's a discipline to learn to trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Um. I also have on a cape today, which makes me feel wiser. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't I look so regal? You look very And a townstooth. So Yeah, and yeah. a townstooth. Yeah. So maybe I just have very all classy. the answers over here. Very classy. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, Andrew, I'm just, I'm thinking about, um, I'm thinking about what, what you brought just about um, the impetus to like picture for as long as possible in any given moment that. God is not hovering over us with like mm. a spreadsheet, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. right? And like, isn't just like ticking off every time we clock out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that instead, He's always just trying to draw close to us because He really wants us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's going to be an exercise for me mm-hmm. to um, to really adapt to that way of thinking. Um, and I also, th- I also think, I mean, I, 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 I think I'm somewhere on that path. Like, I don't think I'm just at zero, mm-hmm. but, um, but also that then I'll know when I'm being lazy and I don't think it will, um, it will weigh on me mm-hmm. as much, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Okay. Yeah. This is a lazy moment, day, mm-hmm. year, um, it doesn't have to feel as dire. Right. Yeah. Right. What of it? <laughs> yeah. I'm eternal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is there anything else more we want to say about this? No. 
I feel like this is kind of a just our free thoughts. Yeah, yeah for real. Uh-huh. For real. So it makes sense to wrap it up now. I think that's good. Yeah. Um, Tell us what you think about our free thoughts, y'all. <laughs> it's true. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, the last thing we like to do is talk about whatever we're into this week. Yes. Do we, do we want to do that? Beth, you want to kick us off? Sure. So I discovered two new singers this week. Um, the first is Shanae Hartnett, and she has a song that me and my mom love now. Um, Ready is always too late, which one of my friends, this is, uh, sorry guys, but I feel like this is such a man question, but he was like, well, what's the point of always being ready then? Don't fucking ask that question. <laughs> Just listen to the song. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> And then he put me on to a singer, Cleo Soul, S-O-L. Beautiful voice. There's like these amazing soul singers coming out of Britain right now, which you don't expect. But they're like black soul singers from the UK Mm -hmm. and they are amazing artists right now. So check out, I'm not sure if Shanae is from um, the UK, but check out Shanae Hartnett and Cleo Soul. Nice. Mm. Funny, you, one of the things I'm into just in general is the democratization of talent. Like because because social media is everywhere. Democratization like, of talent. What does that mean? I guess like people are amazing, and you get to see a lot more of them because of things like TikTok and Instagram. Oh like, yeah. There's just like a flattening out. Like it's really hard to tell who's really good at anything because so many people are good at so many things. Mm-hmm. It's kind of incredible. Mm-hmm. Um. One of the people, I don't even have TikTok. Like, I, I get my TikTok on YouTube. <laughs> TikTok. I can get sucked into TikTok I just, quick. I just get the compilations. But one of the one of the people that keeps popping up for me is, um, I, I brought up his name, Onea, Onea Demelio. Um, his TikTok is Angry Reactions. Mm. His whole thing is, like, responding. He, like, duets with, with people and... He has this way of encouraging people, but in like a really angry way. So like he comes <laughs> off angry, but he says the sweetest things. <laughs> and it's, it's so endearing. That's so funny. Yeah. Where I love it. What's that? Um, that's on TikTok. It's okay. angry reactions. Nice. That's hilarious. Yeah. So good. Um, What am I into? I am into... um. Kenji Lopez Alt has this French fry recipe, <laughs> where he like tries to recreate McDonald's fries. Oh, interesting! You like fry them and then you freeze them, and then later on you fry them again, so mm. that they have like a crispy outside and like that like mushy inside mm. that makes that's like, and then you oh. salt them, and that's like my McDonald's fries are so good. But it is a very good recipe, and I've been tried it. I have. I've. You've made them? I have made them repeatedly. They are very good. Whoa! Uh, you got to bring us some french fries. I love french fries. Uh, yeah, I will I will definitely do that. I'm yeah. quite proud of my attempts to do this. Okay, um, I really love McDonald's fries, so I really want to try them. Yeah. Also, um, just like being able to recreate something like that, that's... Super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I am into... Demystifying uh, the french fry. I am into french fries. I am into specifically this recipe that I found from Kenji Lopez-Alt. Um... So, uh, special thanks to... Real quick, yeah. do you want to plug Johnny's book? Mm. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, it comes out in May. Pre-order. Oh, yeah. I He's guess been telling people to pre-order it, and I think before our last episode, we didn't have the pre-order information. Okay. Yeah. So, our um, the color correction 
uh, one of our pastors, our pastor Johnny Rashid, frequent guest on Color Correction, yeah. mm-hmm. and he basically functions as our Color Correction pastor. chaplain. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Color Correction Chaplain, I CCC. Yeah, uh, <laughs> has uh, written a book which is available available for pre order right now. It is called Jesus Takes a Side, Embracing the Political Demands of the Gospel. You can pre order that on Amazon or wherever books are sold. It comes out. On May 31st. Yeah. I'm so proud of Johnny. Uh-huh. I feel like he's really had, I don't know, like a evolution yeah. over the pandemic. And it feels like this book is kind of like, um, it feels like his book is going to be birthing something new. So I'm super excited for him. Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for him. Yeah. I think this is going to be good. Um, and we'll have him on the show to talk about it, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, so... Uh, with that said, um, a special thanks to Joe Mahoney, our audio engineer, and also to Tess Patino, our social media goddess. Um, Luke Bartolomeo is no longer here. Luke Bartolomeo has, is no longer our communications manager after eight years of faithful service to Circle of Hope. Yep. Um, so yeah, thank you so much, Luke. Yeah, Yeah. Luke, you're amazing. If you're listening, does he listen? He listens, doesn't he? He better listen. Yeah, but you've been amazing. I feel like (laughs) I would give Luke like last minute things like, can you make this flyer for me by tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And he would give us exactly what we needed. So I'm grateful for Luke. Yeah. Um, Jared Selby. Oh yeah. Jared Selby does our theme song. And please, we haven't gotten any letters in a while. Have we guys? Hmm. I don't think so. I honestly haven't checked. Okay. You guys are treating us bad. Let us know how you are following. <laughs> produce. produce. Yes, produce some letters, okay? <laughs> we do not appreciate y'all's malaise. Um, so let us know how you're following Jesus and doing anti-racism work by going to colorcorrectionpodcast.com and dropping us a line. So with that being said, I haven't had a chance to say this in a while, y'all. Stay black, Little Mermaid. And he would have to go to people's homes. <laughs> Without a car. Without a car. <laughs> what? Are you serious? And you were driving him around? I would drive him. So he should have been paying you. His then. whole job is oh, driving. He did pay yeah. You. Well, so we would not. start, he would meet me at my job, I'd get my car, we'd start, he'd get me dinner and put gas in my car, and then we would just drive for hours in the Northeast. Wow. So I actually know the Northeast pretty well because of that. Just because you drove around, because you worked as a deputy truancy officer. <laughs> Andrew, don't say that. Yeah, but, <laughs> don't well, say that on this recording. <laughs> you know, a chauffeur. Uh, yeah, I think I would take chauffeur. Chauffeur, oh, deputy, deputy truancy officer. <laughs> <laughs> officer. That makes me sound like a narc. <laughs> <laughs> uh,